everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. I'm your host, Joe Lowry, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jordan Angeli, for our first daily episode covering the MLS's back tournament. Jordan, Major League Soccer is officially back in probably the most Major League Soccer way possible. A largely uninspiring game with some nice goals capped off with a 97th minute game winner from a superstar. Yeah, it was. Uh, they saved the, some of the best for the end of the game, I would say. But I just was sitting on my couch watching this and my heart was happy that we they were able to pull this off. And I think for everybody, it does take acknowledging that this was a big ask, right? You are trying to put on a tournament and continue play in the middle of a global pandemic. And there are so many people at MLS and around uh, the league and the players that I think we just need to take a second and appreciate that because it brought a little joy to us, right? It did. It was nice to be back in front of the TV watching a live MLS game while frantically typing away into my notes app again. I enjoyed that experience. <laughs> Do you type into your notepad? Are you on your phone or are you on your computer? I'm on my, I'm on my laptop, yeah. So yeah. I'm typing into the like the Apple Notes app. I don't know how you do things over there, Jordan, but that's my yeah, method. Gonna, I don't know. I feel like this is a different way than I'll ever do it because we have so many games. So I'm going to try to like keep everything in one Google Doc. We'll see if that works. Oh, that's going to be a long Google Doc. Oh, yeah. But that's the point, right? I want you to type that into a book and we can go through and read it like 10 years from now and see what it looks like at that point. <laughs> right? So Jordan, you and I are here to break down the opening game of this tournament. The only game from Wednesday, July 8th, Orlando City's 2-1 win over Inter Miami. We're going to go through and we're going to look at specific setups and moments from the first half player performances and specifically look at the goals in the second half. But let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about okay. the first half from these two teams and a largely sluggish, a lot of fouls in that first half. Jordan, let's start with Miami since they did not win this game. Okay. What did you see from Miami and how they set up? Well, let's just say go back to last episode or two episodes ago, I think, when I said, what game is going to have the most fouls like this <laughs> one, right? And I wrote down uh, foul on Dom Dwyer in the first minute and 40 seconds. Second foul for him was 7.30. Third foul, like he just kept fouling, right? And so I knew that there was, I think we all knew that there was going to be a different kind of energy coming into this game, which as a player, it's always difficult when you're playing in a tournament, when you're playing in a big game. The first 10, 15 minutes is a little hectic. And I think yeah. we saw that from this game. Uh, the one thing I would say from Inter Miami is I like that they set up in, you know, more of a 3-5-2, right? And they, they had those three center backs. But what I didn't like from them is they weren't willing to play the ball into their holding midfielders, hmm. right? Will Trapp was open a lot. And the, I was I was watching him and watching his movement off the ball. And there were times where if this was midseason, somebody plays that ball into him right away, right? And the, you start to kind of create a little bit of a rhythm. But because it's they haven't played in a while, that's a dangerous pass to play because of the high pressure as well that... Orlando was having in those first 15 minutes that if you miss that pass by even playing it to the left foot when it should be going to the right foot, everything breaks down, right? So there was a little bit of um, the teams were Disconnect. timid. Yeah. Yeah. They were timid too, you know, which I totally get and understand. But I think that just didn't allow Miami to find a rhythm because he's their rhythm maker. 
I really do think there was a divide between the back line and the two, sometimes three central midfielders if Pellegrini moved in from wide. And that's sort of the the three five two shape that you're talking about because it was pretty fluid for Miami with their midfielders and their attackers. There wasn't that uh, ambition from the back line to move it forward. And we can understand the difficulties. This is the first game of the tournament, the first game back for these teams. But I appreciate that you brought that to light because that's something that I would noted as well. Several times, even with Nico Figal, the the guy who we thought was going to be the center back for Miami in this tournament with LGP not able to play, him playing as that right center back, he was even reticent to play the ball forward. Less so reticent to dribble forward, but that's that's a conversation <laughs> that we have had in the past. Right. Looking at Orlando, they set up in this sort of 4-2-3-1 mm-hmm. that becomes a lopsided three at the... And I, I want to know if you saw the same thing, Jordan. I, I think it becomes sort of a lopsided three at the back shape in possession with John Motinho tucking tucking back and inside a little bit as that third center back, inner seam fullback kind of half space player on that left side. Is that what you noticed as well? I wrote, so I was really interested because I don't have the stats in front of me, so I can't tell you possession wise what it was in favor of Orlando, but I think we could both agree that the possession stats in the first half had to have favored Orlando. Oh yeah, they they found a They found a rhythm a lot better and um, a lot of that had to do with just... Uh, the way that they moved the ball through their midfield. And I had written down the two things that really interest me about the way that Orlando City was playing is I had, they switched the ball from the right side of the field through one of their two holding midfield players and then right almost in that same horizontal line as the holding midfield player was Jao Matinho. And he was playing almost like an additional midfielder, which we've seen, we see players play in, right? Um, or teams play with that additional player in the midfield. And that just opens up space for Nani on the outside, right? And that's who you want the space to go to. And it sort of foreshadowed what we saw in the second half, right? I was waiting for that breakthrough to come in the first half. And Nilas sort of had Nani not locked down, but there was no real action from Nani on that left wing. It was the ball would get to Motinho and sometimes he would dribble forward, which was a really nice look, I thought. Even setting my center back bias aside, I think he broke lines really well with the ball and created chances. He slipped Dom Dwyer into the box midway through that first half, a really nice ball. And that did, that movement though, really set us up in the second half for goals from Orlando City and and Nani specifically to contribute. Uh, The one thing I want to talk about, and I think actually enter Miami did this in the second half and it was part of the reason they scored their goal is Orlando City I noticed a pattern that they were having as the ball was switching and I only saw it going from the left to the right but in that 4-2-3-1 setup that you're talking about the two holding midfielders uh, Junior Junior Urso was typically the player on the the left side when this was happening so the ball swinging from the left to the right when it goes all the way out to the right outside back That was a cue for Urso as now the weak-sided holding midfielder to start to dart into the attacking third. And there was two opportunities that he did this later on in the first half, and they didn't amount to anything. But I think you start to see a pattern that we see from Oscar Preha and his teams that he likes to get one of those two players into the attack, into a playmaking role. We see that with Columbus. Artur does that in Columbus. Um... But this is what we saw also from Inter Miami when they scored that goal right at the beginning of the second half. It's a great goal, right? We'd made it through the first half. A few signs from Miami, especially at the end after that water break, Pellegrini moving inside more often. And we'd seen some things from Orlando City like we talked about. But a really 
un- largely uninspiring. That's what I used to open the show first half from these two teams, which again, understandable. Then at the second half, we get this really nice goal sequence. Will Trap playing the ball forward to Morgan in that sort of right half space area. He then plays it out wide to the right wing back, Nealis, on the right wing. Nealis cuts inside past the aforementioned Jamatino, finds Victor Uyoa in the box, and Uyoa and Pellegrini combine, which allows Uyoa to be in space to square the ball over to Juan Agadello for the tap-in. Jordan, on this goal for me, it is all about Victor Uyoa. Taylor Twelman said it on the broadcast too. Did you see that late arriving run that he made into the box? Because I think that made this goal. Oh, he was patient in his run. I I think that was one of the things that if you're Juan Agudelo and you miss and you don't even get the shot on frame and the opportunity had in the first half, it can make or break you for the rest of the game. Right. And I think you see the best forwards just flipping the switch and saying, "Okay, that's over. Now I have an opportunity to do something the next play, the next play. And he showed up big in this. But the thing that I liked about this is we're, we're talking about the defensive work and how Miami was trying to attack is a a lot of the time they were trying to get outside Jao Matinho in the first half, right? They were trying to get to the, the wing and get to the end line and it wasn't working. It just wasn't successful to them. So what happens on the goal? Well, right away, they fake that they're going to go to the end line, cut it back into that half space you just talked about. And then the runs develop from there because the defense has to shift because the player has been beaten inside. So the next player has to step when that player steps. Well, somebody's going to be open. I, I just that combination, especially in the box between Ooh, Pellegrini good. and Uyoa, that that little one touch movement from Uyoa back to Pellegrini, who I thought was really, really good in this game. This is yeah. the best game. OK, a three game sample size. So <laughs> setting that aside, but a really Good game from Pellegrini, not as effective all the way out wide, but then moving centrally. And this is a theme for Miami, like you just highlighted. They couldn't really do much against Juan or against Jamotinho as those Orlando City fullbacks. They they weren't having a lot of success in those wide areas. But when they, they started to be a little bit more deceptive with their movement and having runs from the outside in, that's when it really uh-huh. started to come together for Miami. And we didn't see a ton more of it in that second half. But that sequence, especially with Pellegrini showing why Miami brought him in as one of their players for signings for Diego Alonso and then Uyoa making that run out of midfield, which is something that we hadn't seen a whole lot in that first half, especially those two wrinkles were a really nice goal sequence. Well, you have to think about it in the bigger picture as far as this tournament goes, too. Well, it didn't look like either one of these teams were satisfied with how the game was maybe going. Like Both teams looked like they were going to push to the end, and we'll get to that, and we'll talk about that. But I think if you're Diego Alonso, you look at that goal, and you look how it was created, and you the amount of players who are key or will be key to your success if you're going to score goals got a touch on the ball, right? Pellegrini being one of those, because I think that he really does have... A lot. He was in the first half. He crossed the ball to Juan Agudelo who, when he missed it, and he had beat, beaten a player one on one. And I, I, I agree, he had a good game, but it's not consistent that every time he gets the ball, he's able to deceptively beat somebody one on one with his ability on the ball. Sometimes he gets a little timid or gets a little. Um, he second guesses himself. I think is what it is, hmm. and so. I think if you're Alonzo, you take out of this, Pellegrini gets a little boost from that and from his performance, which is positive for Inter-Miami. Absolutely. Pellegrini, probably the, at least in my estimation, the best player on the field for Miami in this game. 
Flipping the script over to Orlando City, they eventually did find that equalizer to tie it up 1-1 in the second half. It came off of a failed Miami attack, right? Then Mendez mm-hmm. got the ball, finds Pereira on the left side, who plays the ball up to Nani, who eventually finds Chris Mueller at the back post. Jordan, I saw you tweet about Nani on this play, so I'm going to let you take this one. Oh my gosh, Nani is what I tweeted. Oh my gosh, Nani. Because he he picks up the ball at half field, maybe maybe five, maybe ten yards into the half, and he just is, goes at the defender, right? No fear, doesn't care, is like, I am going to beat you. But to do that, and I think I've talked about this before, the difference in crossing in like Europe mm-hmm. versus the US, he is running full speed at the end line and he gets a cross in that is bending away from the goalkeeper in Robles to allow anybody to get a touch on it. I actually think Chris Mueller's run was a little bit late, but he got there in time and he made a fabulous sliding play to get this one in the back of the net. Um, I just was that cross. So yes, there is a back post runner there. I, I can't remember who was still if Akindeli was in at that time, but there was another runner in the box and it just the pace of the ball beat the runner because it was whipped in so fast. Yeah, that ball in from Nani was was perfect. I actually thought of you in that moment, in that conversation we'd had with with Julian yeah. Gressel, I think was the guy that prompted that crossing discussion yeah. with Gressel sort of being a cut above most players in MLS. Nani also a cut above. He finds the <laughs> right? ball in. I was waiting, Jordan, for Miami's lack of depth, number one, and talent, number two, in the back to hurt them in this game. Starting Ben Sweat as a left-sided center back is not a move I assume that Diego Alonso was itching to make, but one that he had to make because of a lack of depth. No LGP again in this tournament. Mm -hmm. Uh, That depth and lack of talent hurt them on this play, right? Ben Sweat doesn't keep even with the late run from Chris Mueller, and that allows him to break in, tap it in, right? That that difficulty that into Miami's left side of their back line had with Ambrose and with uh, Ben Sweat as those two left-sided wing back and Mm -hmm. center back, respectively, that's a difficult lineup to have to play out there. And then to lose Reyes as well in this yeah. second half to an injury after a battle with Dom Dwyer. But that is a difficult situation that we're going to see repeatedly throughout this tournament. I think we are. And this is why I think we're going to see it is because it takes one half a second of losing focus to lose a marker at the back post. And you don't know if that came right before the ball was crossed, if it came a little bit before that, as Mueller starts his run, before Sweat gets into a good defensive position, you know, we we had the, the ability to have this aerial view and we just can't rewind right now, right? So I wish <laughs> I could rewind and go back and really see where it broke down for Sweat because it's just a half second. And that's the difference at this level, right? When you get to a pro level, when you get to MLS, when you get to the best leagues in the world, the difference of saving a goal or getting a goal scored on you on the back post is that, is this little lapse yeah. of focus. And I think that's what happened. After that lapse of focus, which uh, we actually did see again from Orlando on Miami's goal with uh, Antonio Carlos not tracking one Agudelo's run. And then we see it again on the, the final goal from Nico Figal <laughs> in a little bit of a different way. Um, but before we get there, the, the rest of this second half to me felt extremely disjointed. And this is another yeah. thing that I think we're going to feel in almost every game of this tournament. By the end of the game, we saw all 10 subs used, five from Mm -hmm. each team with this temporary rule that allows coaches to use five subs. It felt disjointed, right? It felt like the fatigue had fully set in. And we saw that even with Orlando's goal, this first one that we just finished talking about. Miami was tired at this point. They were caught too high up the field in that game space. 
the fatigue, the subs, it just, it led to a really strange feeling in the second half. Again, a lot of stoppage time too. So there are a lot of factors at play here, but uh, Orlando finally used that to their advantage. They took Uh advantage of that disjointedness. I thought at least. Before we get to them taking advantage, I do want to mention one of the things I really liked about Inter-Miami when they did make the subs. I think there's an interesting combination and pairing and relationship happening between Pizarro and Wynn. And these two Mm. are, I think they think on the same level as far as the way that they see football in these little combination plays and inner that there was so much interplay between the two. I was like itching for more. I wanted to see them get on the ball. I wanted to see Miami create something because t- to me, once the game became one to one, it didn't feel like either team let off the gas and they wanted to score again. It, they weren't, they weren't confident and they weren't content, I think is the right word I actually want to use. They weren't content with this one-to-one score and getting a point out of it. They they wanted three, and it felt to me that Miami was going to be the team that was going to score it. Yeah, they have that attacking firepower off the bench, right? With Lee Wynn, with Rodolfo Pizarro. Neither one of those guys starting. Pizarro, originally, we thought might have had an injury that kept him out, but then maybe it was just a tactical choice. Not really sure what the decision-making was there. But nonetheless, those two guys do have the ability to link up. Their mental connection, like in the way they think the sport, high level. They're both attacking-minded central midfielders who can drift into different pockets of space. We saw Lee Wynn do it with LAFC. We've seen Pizarro do it in the past. These guys can be dangerous coming off the bench if that's what we continue to see Diego Alonso choose to do in more of these games. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to see more of it. I, I don't care what he chooses to do. Like, let's see more <laughs> of that. <laughs> Maybe they'll get a start together at some point. You got to assume Pizarro will be back in the lineup before too yeah. long. And Lee Wynn at least will get minutes at some point. So, okay. Back on track with the goals. Orlando gets that 97th minute game winner from Nani. It came from, I genuinely <laughs> think, uh, just an entire lack of defensive pressure and, and ability to take responsibility from into Miami. Uh, Orlando are possessing the ball in the attacking half. Sebastian Mendez plays the ball out wide left to Moutinho, who sort of just lets Nani work. Eventually, the ball gets played back out wide to Moutinho, who crosses it into the box for Nani. The ball just sort of bounces off of Nico Figal, who's not, who's not ball watching per se he's man watching which is also a danger mm-hmm. right you got to find the balance right. between those two things yeah the ball falls to nani so difficult oh yeah oh absolutely we we see guys ball watch a lot in mls difficult we see guys in this clip at least man watching it's difficult mm-hmm. the ball falls to nani who slots it past uh, luis robles and that's 2-1 orlando city what i noticed for orlando city and the change was bringing Akindelian. And this is a player, Oscar Pereja knows him very well from his time at FC Dallas. And we knew that there was going to be a connection there. What he does right when he gets in the game. So this was 15 minutes before the ball starts to be built up by Orlando City down through their midfield, down their left side. And he just sprints at the two center backs like I don't think he had an intention to like get the ball, but no. he's trying to break the back line. And as he breaks the back line, it opens up this huge gap in between the the lines in this space for Pereira to dribble and get on the ball and create. And you started to get a sense that Akindeli was going to do something that made these center backs feel uncomfortable. And that's exactly what happened. This goal, the center backs were uncomfortable with Akindeli's ability in the air. And it ended up costing them with just the lapse of not watching the ball and the player at the same time. And Nani opens up this beautiful gift right in front of him and says, I'll score the game winner. 
Jordan, game one of this tournament is game in the books. One. Our first daily show is in the books. We will be back after Thursday, July 9th. I'm not even going to do like tomorrow or yesterday or today because the times are going to run together and the days are going to get confusing. <laughs> but I'm going to try to keep it by the calendar date. We'll be back after Thursday, July 9th run of games to talk more and analyze more and give you guys more insight into what's happening on the field. Yeah, that was fun. We'll be, at, we'll be back. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.